Hey, it's good to see you. Glad you're here. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to take them and turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And uh, when you get there, just hold your place there. We're going to get there in just a few moments. Today, we're jumping back in, uh, in our series that we began a couple of weeks ago on um, how to gain access to God's promises. The Bible tells us there are over 7,000 promises that are in Scripture that God makes to you and me. So there's not a lack of promises, but there is sometimes a lack of accessing those promises by us. And the Bible also gives us very familiar depictions of God, word pictures of who God is in order for us to understand him. And one of the most familiar ones he uses is that of a shepherd, one who guides us, one who provides for us, protects us, who gives us all that we need. But the difficulty with that is, if he gives us that depiction and all these promises are available, we have to assume the position of a sheep. And no one wants to be a sheep, right? We want to be something strong, courageous, bold, all these things. But God specifically says so many times that he considers us his sheep of his pasture. But one of the great promises about that is, is that he promises that he would give us guidance. There's a lot of different types of guides in the world today. There's hunting guides, fishing guides, there's even shopping guides, right? You know what the problem with all of those is that when you seek out someone to guide you there, you've already determined what you're going to do. I mean, if you want a hunting guide, you've already determined, I'm going hunting. If you want a fishing guide, you've already determined, I'm going fishing. If you want a shopping guide, you've already determined you want to go shop. This is, and we treat God that way so many times. We like the idea of having God's favor and his blessing as long as we can remain in charge, right? We hire to enhance our agenda and we treat God that way sometimes. But the problem is, the bad news this morning, is God doesn't operate that way. God doesn't say, what do you want to do and allow me to come in and bless that for you? How do you want to live and allow me to just pour out my favor and my anointing on you? God doesn't do things that way. He doesn't do things in order for you to get an edge over your competition. Now, I know that's popular. I know that's what the motivational YouTuber says. I know that's popular in some areas of Christianity that just says if you're with God, he's going to find out what you want and just continue to bless it and bless it and bless it. The problem is, is that God calls us sheep. And do you know what sheep are above and be, uh, above all else? They are blind. Sheep are blind. This is why Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, All of us were like sheep that were lost, each of us going his own way. The depth perception of a sheep is about 10 to 15 yards. They can't see beyond that. And this is why it is so enlightening when we realize, when Scripture tells us that God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, what we realize is this, is that in the Old Testament days, they would literally wear these little lamps on their feet at night. They didn't have flashlights, obviously. And all it would do was illuminate the very next step that you could take. Most of us want to have a plan mapped out. We want input and we want to tell God what we want him to do and show us the entirety of that way. Is that right? That's our preference. 
But that's not how God operates. He says, indeed, we are blind and we are in need of a guide. So today I want to talk to you about how the shepherd gives us the promise of guidance and how we can access the guidance that he offers to us. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to anoint the rest of this service for your glory. I pray that as you anoint the words you've given me to say, anoint our ears to hear them and our hearts to receive them so you may accomplish your perfect will in our lives. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If God compares us to sheep and the distance that they can see is about 10 to 15 yards, that means inevitably you have blind spots and I have blind spots, places where we can't see anymore. We don't know what the future holds. We can't see that far out, but we want to try to control and determine the future. Most of us are unable to see what's next in our lives, and so it causes one of two things. We either try to control it so much, or we allow it to control us through anxiety and fear. But Psalm 23 and 3 tells us that the Lord being our shepherd, that he guides us in right paths. Some translations use the old Hebrew colloquialism that says, then paths of righteousness. Those mean, that's not poetic, that means well-worn paths that every shepherd would know to guide you along. These are paths that have already been created by a shepherd to lead sheep to two places in safety and also lead them to a place where there is water and food that is available for them. These are well-worn paths. He leads us in paths of righteousness. He leads us in right paths. I want, to listen, I want you to hear me this morning. I know everybody likes new stuff, right? We all like new stuff. But I don't want you to bring that into your relationship with the Lord. I don't want you to always want to see a new thing from the Lord or a new way. He guides me in paths of righteousness. These are old ways. These are well-worn ways. These are the paths of righteousness, the paths of holiness, the path of goodness, the path of grace, the path of, path of love, the path of forgiveness, all of these things. He guides me in those things. So many times people are wanting a new way when he's wanting to take us down a path of righteousness and a right way. And just because you've never been there before doesn't mean God hasn't. You see, God may take you to a new place, but he'll always take you down a path of righteousness. He may take you to a new place, but it's always going to be on a right path that he's already paved the way and he's already been cleared it and he's all taking you along with him. But if it says he leads me in right paths, that indicates that there are actually wrong paths that we can take. The problem is we don't know when we're taking wrong paths sometimes. Now, sometimes it's apparent, but there's most Christians out there aren't saying, I'm going to live just completely opposite of what God does, and I just want him to bless it. Most of the time, they just say, I don't know how to hear from God. I don't know how to determine which way he wants me to go. I don't know how he wants me to make this decision in my life. And God clears us through right paths so that we go in the direction of our destiny and our purpose. The word guide in Hebrew literally means to infuse with supernatural intelligence or intellect. So when I take the posture of a sheep, I gain access to God's supernatural insights in my life that he guides me and directs me in that. 
God has seen the entirety of your story, all of it. He's been with you in the past, he is with you now, and he is waiting for you in the future. And though we know that hindsight can be 2020, God's foresight is 2020. And so we lean into his guidance. And so by doing so, what he's teaching us is, is if our distance is only about limited uh, how much we can see, and we need a shepherd, our role as sheep is to stay as close to the shepherd as possible so he can guide us. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus comes and encounters a blind man. And the reason why I want us to focus on that is that you have to come to a place where you realize that you are actually blind without him. You can't see. You don't have the answers. You don't have the direction. You don't have the knowledge. You don't have the wisdom. You don't have any of those things that is needed. But he does. And in this interaction with this blind man, it's four things that we can do, keys, in order to access God's promise of guidance in our life. And starting in verse 46 in chapter 10 of um, the Gospel of Mark, it says, Then they, they being Jesus and his disciples, reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting by, beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby... He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up, they said, come on, he's calling you. So Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Notice it. Instantly, he could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Four things we can learn from that to access this promise of guidance for our lives. Number one, take a posture of humility in your life. Take a posture of humility. Being blind in the first century was very, very difficult. As a matter of fact, you were, you were given a right to beg, but to be given that right, you had to be placed somewhere at a right place, and usually it was trying to get at the most strategic place in order for the maximum amount of people to come by so that you could beg and they could give to you. You had no way of surviving of, of yourself. There was, there, was no, um, um, there was no accessibility or handicapped uh, disability act or anything like that back then. You literally were placed to the side and dependent on other people. It was very, very difficult. And all you had the, 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 the right to do was to beg. You couldn't barter. You had nothing to barter with. You know, barter says, if you do this or give me this, I'll give you this. You have nothing to barter with. And so you were reduced to actually begging. You see, begging says, I need your help. Bartering says, I can do something for you if you can do something for me. So many times the problem is we as Christians approach Jesus and approach the Lord in a bartering state that says, Lord, if you'll do this for me, I'll do this for you. But until you come to the place where you realize you literally have nothing that he needs, but you're everything that he wants. Until you realize you bring nothing to the table except your need. You have to take a position of humility, that posture. Proverbs 26 and 12 says, do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for them. 
one of the realities that you have to fight against is depending on yourself. And we are so bad about doing this. How many of you have ever um, used an old-fashioned map to guide yourself on a trip? Let me see your hand. You've an old-fashioned map. One like this. Yep. How many of you have never folded or unfolded a map before in your life? Let me see your hands. Okay. So in the days of maps, you know, you would take this. This is not of Georgia. This is Israel. So just so you know, um, I forgot a map. Pastor Brett found me one. He said, would you like Israel? I said, nothing could be more holy. Bring me Israel. So, so if you don't remember this, you would drive down the road and you're driving and you're looking and you're driving and you're looking and you're trying to find the road in which you're supposed to turn And not only are you looking here, keeping your eyes on the road, you're trying to watch the road signs to know, am I going to turn at the right spot at the right time? The directions are there. Most of the time, they're correct on the map, but you have a difficult time following them as you are moving forward. How many of you have ever had someone ride with you in the car and tell you, oh, don't worry about directions. I know the way. Just listen. I'll show you the way. How many of you know that's one of the most nerve-wracking things because they tell you when they want to tell you and you don't know if we're actually going. And that depends on, especially if they're riding shotgun and they're DJing and everything else, they may get all into their music and you're six miles down the road before they went, I think we were supposed to turn back there. But then came the GPS. And the GPS was great because it's on your screen and you can look at the GPS And then there's a voice that also tells you when to turn. So it tells you and you can see it at the same time. How many of you have ever ignored the voice on the GPS? Can I see your hand? Yes. So I've had a real problem because I typically where I'm going, especially if I'm going in a place where I've normally gone, I know the directions. I know how to get there. I know know what turns to make, all this kind of stuff. I know that. But in Atlanta, can I just tell you this? I know five different ways to get to the church from my house, and I turn on the GPS every single morning. Why? Traffic. I don't know where everything's going to have a traffic jam, and so it's going to find me the most direct and the most efficient route to get here. And yet... I can find myself ignoring it, tuning it out, or disagreeing with the thing, going, I don't think I need to turn down this road. That doesn't look right. Anybody ever done that one before? Yeah, I'm so bad about it that literally, I, I, it, it somehow reverted back on the last update. The last time I, I did something with my maps, I literally changed the voice on maps to a British woman because she sounded smarter. So the direction would come, and I go, I don't think that sounds right, but I mean, she's British, so it's got to be right, right, you know? It sounds so formal. How many of you have ever heard this term on the GPS? At the earliest convenience, please make a U-turn, and then you bypass that, and it goes, at the earliest convenience, please make a U-turn. I'm surprised mine hasn't gone... I'm surprised it hasn't, as I ignored it and gotten myself into the traffic jam, it was trying to help me avoid, it hasn't gone, I told you so. (laughs) 
Can I just tell you something? What God wants to do is to infuse your life with his direction so that you can see his way, hear his voice, and he gets you there in the most efficient way, in the safest way, and the most productive way for your good and his glory. That's what God wants to do. So why do I ignore the voice on the GPS? Because I think I know better, right? There's a word for that. It's pride. Why do you ignore the guidance from the word of God and the Holy Spirit? There's only one word, and it's pride. And the funny thing about pride is this. Pride makes you more blind than you were before. Pride refuses to admit you're blind and makes you more blind. It literally compounds itself over and over again. Just a few verses before Jesus and his disciples enter into Jericho and they encounter Bartimaeus, his disciples, two of them, two of his closest, are arguing on this road. And what they're arguing about is who's going to be the greatest. And so they come to Jesus and they ask him, they said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, can one of us sit on the right hand of power and one of us sit on the left hand of power? He says, you don't understand what the kingdom's about. You think I'm going to establish a kingdom right here, right now, in order to overthrow the Roman government, and you want positions of power. I haven't come to do that. I have come to destroy the power of sin over the human condition in your life. He says, you don't understand that. You see, they couldn't see what he wanted to do because all they could see was themselves in a position of authority. Their pride wanted them to be in positions of authority, and Jesus was going as a servant to the cross. Psalm 25 and 9 says, He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. The fact that your future and your foresight is limited, that is not a disability. It is designed by God to make you draw close to the shepherd so you can be with him. But it requires you to admit you don't have the answers. You don't necessarily know the way, but you draw close to him because he does. So you take a position, a posture of humility. The second thing you do is you have to push beyond distractions. Push beyond distractions. The main reason sheep have difficulty seeing is their vision is monocular. That means they see one way out of one eye and one way out of the other eye. And if you, if you understand that, what it means is they are constantly getting distracted because they can never bring anything into real focus. And so the problem is everything distracts them along the way. Can I tell you something that's going to hurt your feelings this morning, but you need it? The greatest threat to your guidance is probably not the devil. It's probably you allow the distractions that you've pushed in your life, that you've put in your life, in order to keep you away from the, the voice and the guidance of the Lord. The Bible says as soon as Bartimaeus calls to Jesus, the crowd begins to get louder. They begin to press against Bartimaeus. They tell him to be quiet, and he refuses. And he says even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, to which Jesus then calls him. He pressed past all of the distractions that were going to keep him away from Jesus, and he continually leaned in, 
and begged of the Lord to do for him what he could not do. Psalm 25 and 14 says, the Lord shares his secrets with those who have respect for him. He tells them about his agreement. Secrets aren't something you share with everyone. Secrets are something you share with those that are close to you. It's the reason why we have to draw near to God. And you may say, Pastor, I get that, but I gotta tell you something. If I'm just honest, I get a little bored sometimes. I get bored in my prayer time. I get bored reading the Bible. I get bored sometimes. I, I just, it just happens. Can I just tell you something? Everybody does at some point or another. Even his disciples, his closest disciples, he tells them on the night, he tells them the night he's going to be betrayed, the night before he's going to be crucified, he tells his disciples, my soul is vexed until the point of death. I am seriously struggling with what the Father has given to me, so I'm asking you to come and pray for me, and his disciples go and pray for him, and they fall asleep twice. You're not the first to get bored during prayer or during your Bible reading, so what do you do? You push through. When you realize you've zoned off in prayer, Get back, shake yourself back into that moment and get back to praying again. When you find yourself going, I think I've read a page and I don't know what it says, go back and read the page again and ask the Lord, will you illuminate one thing from what I just read, Lord? Will you do that for me? Sometimes you have to push back all of those things. Can I just tell you something? It's not a coincidence that Martin Luther prayed two hours a day and God used him to launch the Reformation and change the spectrum of all of Christianity. It's no coincidence that John Wesley prayed from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. and God used him to birth the great awakening revival that shook nations. It's probably also not a coincidence that most Christians, the average time a Christian spends in prayer a day is four minutes and they wonder why they can't get direction from the Lord. You say, well, that was rude. Sometimes you've got to push past the distractions. Sometimes you've got to turn the off button and turn the screens off. Sometimes you've got to push past the text messages. You've got to push past the to-do list, and you've got to press into what God wants you to be and allow yourself to not be distracted from those moments, but even when you are, to push through so that you can enter a new level. God wants to give you a new level, but you won't see it until you press through and push beyond the distractions in your life. See, here's the, the, your pressing is the difference between no sight and insight. From not understanding anything to understanding the ways of the Lord. So you have to assume a posture of humility. And then the third thing you've got to do is you have to throw off old assumptions. Throw off every old assumption that you have about God. I'm not talking about the promises of God. I'm not talking about who God is and the character and the nature of God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm talking about the way you assume that you know that God's going to do things in this way at this time. Those assumptions normally are wrong. One of the things I love about the Bible is there are no wasted words in the Bible. So in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us that that beggars, blind people, were allowed the privilege to beg, but they were one of the very few. But they were also given a cloak or a coat that identified them that allowed them to go and to beg. So when people would see that, they would go, this is a legitimate need here. 
when Jesus calls to him, the Bible says that he gets up, he throws off that cloak, and he goes to Jesus. He doesn't assume that Jesus is going to do something the same way he's always done it. That's much of our problem. He goes to Jesus and says, I don't know what he has for me, but here's what I know. When I go to him, I'm not coming back the same. In the Old Testament, God does the miraculous. God shows up to Moses in a burning bush. God splits the Red Sea. God brings water from a rock the first time from its striking, the second time he tells Moses to speak to the rock. Now here, if any of those things happened today, modern Christians would be tempted to try to recreate a burning bush or a flowing rock. We are so bad about this. The Bible says in the Old Testament, Moses is on uh, on the mountaintop receiving the Ten Commandments and the instructions from the Lord. When he comes down, he finds the people not waiting patiently. They have already made a, a calf, a golden calf. They said, we think Moses is dead, so we'll worship God in our own way. The Lord is furious about this, sends punishment to them, and the only way that they are reduced or, or brought from that punishment is God tells him, I want you to make a staff and I want a serpent to be on the staff, and when they look upon the staff, they'll be healed from that disease. Fast forward a little ways in the Bible, guess what they're doing? They're worshiping that staff. It's what the tendency is, is to put your faith in a method or a delivery system instead of the deliverer. Jesus healed so many people. He opened blind eyes on multiple occasions, he calls lame people to walk on multiple occasions, but he never did it the same way. You see, we spend our time trying to figure out how God can do it or will do it instead of just saying, Lord, I bring this to you, and I need you to do it. Because faith in a delivery system and not the deliverer is nothing short of idolatry. I worship him and him alone, and I trust him. And Lord, if you want to do it differently than you've done it before, do it the way you want to. But you have to throw off the old assumptions, which means God's going to do it differently than you thought that he might do it. Isaiah 43 and 18 says this, forget all that. It has nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Verse 19, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I don't know what you need, but I can tell you this. You need to throw off your old assumptions. You need to bring your need to the Lord and allow him to do it the way he wants to do it. He may take you down a path that looks wrong until you realize it's right. He may bring someone into your life that you were never expecting. He may give you an idea that seems foolish, but in that idea is something genius that is involved in that. I don't know what God is going to ask you to do next or what he's going to ask me to do next, but all I know is the only limiting factor in that is you and me. And so we have to pray prayers that enlarges our faith and lets us get a vision of God and be flexible in how God wants to do it. Prayers like, God, stretch me because I don't want to miss you. God, enlarge me because I don't want to be apart from what you're doing. God, keep me flexible because I want to be in the flow. 
of what you're doing. Can I just tell you something? The longer I serve him, the longer I am with him and the more I see of him, the more I'm realizing that I have to know his word and hide it in my heart, but I also have to be willing to flow in the rhythm of God's grace in that moment. You're never going to figure him out. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But if you can learn to flow in the rhythm of God's grace, God can use you. Can I just tell you something? The best ideas I've ever come up with as a pastor have not been where I strategize. I believe in strategy. You have to do it. But it's when you flow in the rhythm of God's grace and ask him, what do you want to do? Most of the things that, most of the comments that I will get about a message, about, oh, when you said this, can I just tell you the vast majority of those are not the ones that I've thought about. It's the ones that happen in the moment. You've got to be willing to flow in the rhythm of God's grace based on the word of God, listening to the voice of the spirit so that he can guide you in the path that he wants you. But you have to throw off the old assumptions and let God do a new thing in you. The fourth thing is this. Ask specifically. Specifically. Sometimes I read the passage I just read scripture and I laugh when I'm not supposed to laugh, you know? Anybody ever do that? Here's a blind man. He's screaming out Jesus' name. He's got the blind man's coat on. Jesus hears him, brings him to him, and he says, what do you want? That seems like such a silly question. I mean, of course he wants his sight. But Jesus wanted him to ask Specifically, I think sometimes we ask so general prayer requests that we wouldn't know it if God answered them. Oh, God, bless me. All right. Pour your favor out on me. All right. Pour your anointing on me. All right. But look, when you're talking about guidance, you need, you need guidance in particular things. Sometimes you have to pray. Sometimes they're micro prayers. Sometimes they're prayer and fasting there, there are times you have to do both of those things, but you have to be specific. Praying prayers like this. Lord, what school do you want me to apply to? Do you want me to go for, do you want me to apply for a graduate program? Lord, should I let my kid hang out with that other kid? Should I pitch this idea to my supervisor at work? Should I date this person? Should I add another commitment to my calendar? Should I continue with the treatment? When you bring specific requests to God, it's only then that you allow him to give you precise answers. I want to tell you something. I followed the Lord for a long time. And I have never, ever had the Lord not answer a prayer of guidance. And sometimes it's a specific prayer, and sometimes I, I, I've literally prayed, Lord, I don't have the capacity to make this decision, and I'm not even sure I'm smart enough to make this decision. So if this is your will, you're going to have to make that door open wide. But if it's not, Lord, please slam that door in my face. 
And I've had doors open wide and I've had doors slam in my face. But I've never had the Lord not answer. Everything from job relocations, career path, ministry calling, to even treatment plans. Every time I've prayed, I've always gotten a guidance from the Lord. That doesn't mean you don't have to go down difficult paths. That means he will give you the path that he's calling you to take and he will guide you, he will provide for you, he will protect you. And the burden on my heart today is some of you are like sheep who've gone astray. You're trying to make it through this life without the shepherd guiding you and protecting you and providing for you. But just as he was earlier that we read from in Revelation 21, in Isaiah, and in Romans. Can I tell you something? It's that shepherd who the angels circle around and sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. It's that shepherd who was and is and is to come. And he is in this place right now for some of you, beckoning you to draw near to him one more time. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here in this place and you know that things aren't right between you and the Lord, when you came in there, you knew it. When you started watching online, you knew it. But today you say, I'm, I hear the voice of the Lord. I, I, I feel the beckoning of the Lord calling to me. And I want to come home to him. You just simply need to pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have declared, and I know that it's true that you're the good shepherd. And Lord, I feel you beckoning me home and so I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, that you would cleanse me from my past. I yield my life to you right now. All that I am, all that I hope to be is in you, Lord. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct me from this point forward. I will never be the same because you are my shepherd now. Now, if everyone in the room would just pray this prayer of profession, we would say, Jesus, I give you my life. One more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that's you, you know when you came in here, things weren't right between you and the Lord. And today you say, I'm making a decision to follow him for the first time or the first time in a long time. I'm not here to embarrass you. I want to pray for you this week. If that's you, though, you say, Pastor, that's me. Would you just raise your hand really high while no one's looking around? Keep it up just for a moment, please. God bless you. Hey, you're not alone. Amen. Amen. Just keep them up just a moment, please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you can put them down. Father, we thank you now for lives that have been changed and restored and redeemed because you have given your life for us. And Lord, I thank you right now that every person in this room, whether they just started following you today or whether they have been following you for years, we can walk in the promise of your guidance Lord, guide our every steps for your glory. I pray that you would anoint us as we go forward, Lord, to live our lives in paths of righteousness, to trust you to lead us into the place you've called us to and lead us in a way that you have, that you have already prepared for us. And Lord, we rebuke every, every ounce of fear, every ounce of doubt, and we ask in the name of Jesus that our trust be built in you and that our faith be enlarged today as we trust you with our lives 
and our next steps. For every person that has a decision to make this week, God, give them your direction. For every person that has a monumental decision this month or this year, God, give them your direction and give them your peace. Guide us in your way, Lord, so that you may be glorified. And Lord, we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, can you celebrate with me today? Four people accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Come on, give the Lord praise, amen? Amen. If that's you, you made a decision to follow Christ today or in the previous few weeks, um, we would love to help you. Uh, if you've made that decision or if you'd just like some information about Mount Perrin North, maybe you want to get more plugged in. There are more people now that are getting plugged in through North Life um, than ever before here at Mount Perrin North, and we are so excited about that, and we'd love to help you. As soon as service is over with, our grow team will be down front, so they're here, and they can answer any question that you may have. Give us about two minutes, and we'll try to get you plugged into whatever you would like to be plugged into here at Mount Perrin North. Want to let you know something that um, uh, this week is our um, uh, outreach October, the end of that. You've made such a difference in the lives of our community. Thousands of people have been impacted because of your giving and your serving, and I want to say thank you. And we are so blessed by the partners that we get to partner with. One of them is here today out in the atrium, out these center doors. First Care Women's Clinic is a Christian-based clinic committed to helping women and men deal positively with an unplanned pregnancy by providing assistance as well as emotional and spiritual support. You know, recently with the uh, Roe v. Wade decision that was overturned by the Supreme Court, there is never a greater need than to get biblical, solid help to folks who are in a crisis moment in their life. So go find out some information about them. And if you want more information about all our partners, you can find that in the lobbies as well. And then don't forget our uh, block party this Wednesday, I mean this uh, Friday night, Friday night um, at 6.30. And uh, when you come, uh, just come. Great time for the kids and the family. But also, if you'd like a place to serve, we need a few more folks to serve. You can look up at the screen. You can scan that QR code and it'll take you to a place where you can sign up to serve at different points. And you don't have to serve the entirety of the time. You can sign up for a window of time and serve. Uh, doing anything from hospitality to um, hosting one of the uh, trunk or treats to uh, just serving in one of the game areas. But any of those things, we would love for you to be a part of that as well. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. And I get the privilege every single week that I am here to be able to bless you according to Numbers chapter 6. And the Bible says when we speak this blessing over you, that the name of the Lord rest on you and that we pray that the Lord will go with you today. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. Have a great week.